Hey guys, Mark Kenyon here from Wired to Hunt, and you're listening to the audio version of the 100% Wild Podcast. And today, me and Matt are tackling a listener-submitted question about thermals, and we end up talking about a whole bunch of other things related to wind and its impacts on deer hunting as well. And before that, we actually do discuss a little bit about my past hunting season, some recent discoveries. Uh, we talk a little bit about some new things going on with Drury Outdoors. So a lot of behind the scenes stuff related to our own personal adventures. And then we do get to that thermal and wind topic. So hopefully you enjoy this one. Um, if you want to get right to the wind and right to the thermal discussion, you can fast forward, you know, maybe halfway through, but uh, either way, enjoy and let's just get this thing started. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the 100% Wild Podcast. I'm Mark Kenyon over here with Wired to Hunt. On the other side, we've got Matt Drury with Drury Outdoors. How are you, my friend? I'm good, buddy. How are you today? Doing great. Doing great. It's another day. We got lots of snow. I got a crying baby outside my door, and uh, life is good. <laughs> good luck with that <laughs> it's hard to work from home man i don't i don't know how you can do it <laughs> it's different man it's different it's cool it i mean the the positive is that um you know whenever i want i can just go walk out and go see see the see the little guy and that yeah. brings me some joy but at the same time then i'll be working and then like my wife will come in open the door and like drop the baby in my lap i'm like i was in the yeah. middle of uh, no gotta gotta take the baby <laughs> so yeah, yeah. But it's it's cool. It is a it is a nice thing in that you know a lot of people don't get to see their kids all that much when they're young. Once they have to start start going back to the office, and I sh- I should definitely be thankful that I can see them a lot. So it's good. One of these days on this video podcast, you're gonna see the 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 baby comes running in you know this is you know two years from now the baby comes running in and all of a sudden here comes mom you, you ever see that video that went viral that yeah that news that news anchor oh that was amazing that's gonna be, that's gonna be you here in like two years i think i think my favorite like i loved like the kid came running in that was funny enough but when the mom came in to like try to save the day yeah yeah oh. like pure panic oh that was so good I would love for something like that to happen. <laughs> yeah. We, we may need to orchestrate it just to get this thing to go viral. Uh-huh. Get more views. <laughs> we need Joe good. Rogan views. That would be good. That would be good. But, uh, but yeah, man, baby or dad life is going well. Everything's good, good. over here. So, um, anything new on your front? Yeah, we, we're, we have a lot of projects in the hopper right now for 2018 and beyond that are really, really, I mean, some are revolutionary. Some are just really cool. And um, yeah. I, think, I think in general, you know, we're going to hopefully help introduce some new people to the sport. We're going to help, uh, you know, because what we've always felt like we brought to the table to our viewers was helping them become better deer hunters. And we're, we're working on a project right now that we beta tested all fall and, and that we're going to unveil uh, for next fall here for fall of 18 that um, we're putting the final touches on. That's going to be really, really awesome, revolutionary. Wow. Um, and I can't unveil a whole lot about it yet. Um, but uh, you'll be able to have it in the palm of your hand anywhere you go. So it's going to be cool. And then as hmm. just on the TV side, you know, of course, Dream Season last year in 17, it was the last season. Uh, we had 14 seasons of Dream Season. Uh, but we're starting a new show that's replacing it, tame, same time slot. Uh, but it'll be a brand new take on a reality um, hunting TV show. And uh, we're really bringing it up to – to modern day times as far as how the production goes, how the, the, uh, 
the game, so to speak, goes. Uh, it's going to be really, really entertaining. And I think if we succeed in what we're trying to accomplish, I think it's going to be something that will get uh, youth and women and new participants interested in our in what we do at the very least. Um, so it, it's going to be really entertaining. It's, it's going to be called Critical Mass. And uh, think, you know... American Ninja Warrior meets Survivor meets Hunting. It's it's wow. it's neat. It's it's going to be a neat show. So, anyways, we have a shoot coming up here in uh, the beginning of March and here in St. Louis. It's about a six-day shoot and where we're filming all 13 episodes. And the teams have already went out and filmed all the hunting content for the shows. And so it's going to be really really cool. And it's the biggest undertaking uh, that we've ever done from a production side. Um, so we're looking forward to seeing what we're capable of um, and kind of step outside of our comfort zone of, yeah. of you know, the traditional style of, of hunting TV. Uh, because, frankly, we feel like – and this is no offense to anybody, but we just feel like it's a little stale and it needs yeah. something different and new. And, um, and that's what we're trying to achieve anyway. So we're excited about what's, what's going to be coming out here uh, in – 2018 the summer that'll launch in you know july critical mass uh, third quarter run third and fourth quarter and then the app will launch probably september so uh yeah. it's gonna be awesome yeah it sounds it sounds awesome they got me a little concerned uh when you say this is gonna be like survivor we're not gonna see you <laughs> we're not gonna see you shirtless and in a loincloth or anything are we matt nobody would want to see that mark <laughs> no it's uh no from from that standpoint nothing crazy like and it's gonna be i'll say this like it's gonna be a very positive uplifting view on hunting so it, it won't be competitive from a standpoint of like i had to kill the biggest deer to win this thing it's not about that it's about it's the same kind of conversations that you see on social media all the time about uh debating kind of um your hunt compared to someone else's. So mm -hmm. like everybody's hunt is different, meaning like say you don't have any ground and you shot uh, a deer on public land and, and, and um, you know, it's a 115 inch three-year-old or whatever the case may be. Like you can't tell me that that shouldn't stack up to something in a different, much different way, but stack up with something that somebody did in Iowa that's 170 inch deer on private ground. But this yeah. guy put in all, our girl put in all this effort and time and sweat equity. He, he yeah. worked just as hard, you know, it's just different. So yes. it's a very subjective way to look at hunting and we're going to be very positive about it. So it's going to be, um, we're not going to get down in the weeds with this thing. It's going to be a positive outlook, but at the end of the day, there will be one person and there are w women and men. It's, it's ages 21 through 57. So it's a really unique cast. Um, but it's going to be at the end of the day, one person, um, judged by the jury of their peers the other 11 uh, the other cast members will have to judge who uh, who wins this thing at the end and it's going to be interesting i think i think i think it's going to be very entertaining it's something that mark and i have worked a long time on you know dating back to year and a half on on format and then of course terry you know with his input and then our studio and our production staff uh, so i feel like it's going to be something very very different and something that you know those of you that still have the outdoor channel and still watch tv it'll it'll be a reason for those that you that don't to come back honestly i really think that so um hopefully um we we just got a really big shoot coming up here in march though cool well i'm excited to hear more and 
if we're really friends, Matt, you'd let me get a sneak peek of this thing. I'm I'm chomping at the bit now. <laughs> yeah, I'll send you a text with some of the uh, 3D renderings of the set, and they're to scale. And this thing is, this thing is massive. It's 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 nice. we've leased out a warehouse, and I mean it's it's pretty pretty cool. Wow. So something totally different. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing more about it, and uh, I'm sure everybody else is now too. So, um, <laughs> can I share a little bit of good news on my front? Absolutely, man. I want to shift gears a little bit, and I'll just tell you a little here. Um, And we didn't even really talk about this back in December when we last did our podcast, but back in December, um, after we last chatted, I had come to believe that Holyfield, the deer that we've been talking about for two years now and I've been hunting for three years, um, I had been led to believe that he was dead. Um, I hadn't seen him since November 14th. I hadn't gotten any trail camera pictures of him since late October. Um, and then I heard that a neighbor shot a big buck and this in Holyfield disappeared. So I, and after, you know, in all the previous years, he'd been so visible in December on these food plots that I planted for late season, but he wasn't this year at all. He was gone, not a picture, not a sign, not a nothing. So this year I basically had come to terms with the fact that he was gone. The hunt was done. And I'd, I'd, you know, come to terms with that and moved on. All of that changed two days ago, though, when I went out for just a walk. I wasn't even planning on going shed hunting. I just needed, like, a breath of fresh air. So I went out to this property that I can hunt with my dog. And I thought, you know, I'll just kind of walk some of the perimeter areas um, just to, you know, stretch my legs a little bit. And I stumbled on a shed just barely sticking out of the snow. I yanked it out. And I can't believe this, but it was Holyfield's shed. From this year, he made it. He's a ghost. I don't know where he's been this whole time, but I was holding his antler in my hand, and uh, it was one of the coolest, craziest things that has ever happened. So I can't believe it, but he's back. That's incredible. So how old will he be here this fall? If my original estimate is is still right, um, he'll be a a six-and-a-half-year-old in the fall 2018, which is just incredible. Un- unheard of here in Michigan. Um, I've never, ever, ever had a buck that I've, this will be my fourth year following this deer. I've never had that happen or anything close to it here in Michigan on a tiny little piece of property that's surrounded by hunters. I mean, it's, it's just luck. I mean, there's nothing else to it. It's just very lucky that this buck keeps making it. And then I keep on failing to be able to kill him and no one else <laughs> says either. Um, I, he's, I, good at, he's good at eluding. <laughs> yeah, I, I had my chances this past year and blew it. So maybe, uh, maybe in 2018, everything will come together. I don't know, but um, it's exciting to know that the story goes on and that I'm going to get one more chance, hopefully. So I'm happy for you because it's 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 incredible. Just as you mentioned, size of parcel and then where you're hunting, uh, the state you're hunting, the, the to get that age class. I mean, it's it is incredible to to see this quest for Holyfield and. Um, I, I just don't know. It's like, where do these deer go? Where oh, do no. they deer to? It's like, gosh, it's crazy. And I, I can't, I don't, I can hardly believe that he made it. I mean, the, the odds are so stacked against him. I mean, there's, so there's this piece of property that I can hunt. Um, and I've, I think, and I've tried to hunt him very smartly and, and very well. And I'm very careful about what I do and how I do it. And like I said, I had, I had him at 25 yards, could have killed him, but I wasn't looking. So that is on me. So he made a fatal mistake once. Um, but then he passed within range of me many times if I had had a gun. Um, so it's not like he was so savvy that he was always out of gun range. Um, yeah. So then gun season opened, and he somehow survived that. He must just go into some little itty-bitty piece of cover and just not ever leave it at all during daylight once gun season hits. That's the only thing I can figure. Um, because 
there are hunters all around me. And even the property just um, south of the main property that I hunt, um, I was just walking this the other day, and I have permission on this little tiny piece too. And there's a whole bunch of new tree stands there. That So there's been someone new hunting this spot, you know, just 10 yards off of the line of the spot that I'm hunting. Um, so there, there's guys all over the place. There's people that know about this deer, um, and still somehow he's managed to survive. So pretty remarkable animal. Um, whether or not I kill him, I sure have a whole lot of respect for uh, what this deer has been able to do, and he's a survivor. He just keeps getting smarter and smarter too, by the way. Like yes. think about it. If he's come by you, like who knows how many other people he's passed by and he just keeps getting smarter and smarter and smarter. Yeah. And, 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 and shrink. Yeah. And I've definitely even saw that this past year. So I'm, I'm, my odds I'm sure are going to be even less come 2018 because in 15 and 16, he was very visible, very active. I was getting daylight sightings of him in October, November, and December. Um, now 2017, didn't see him at all in October. Didn't see him at all in December. There was just a 14-day window where he was daylight active. Well, October 31st, so one day in October. October 31st through November 14th was the only time I saw him, the only time I got pictures of him in daylight, um, and that was it. So I got to believe it's only going to get worse this next year. Yeah, yeah. He's moving He's moving during the what could arguably be the hardest time for a hunter. Like everybody loves the rut. But it's the hardest to pattern a deer in. I mean, there is yeah. no pattern. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it takes a lot of luck, especially with a bow in hand. So um, that's the tough part about it. He He's daylight just because his hormones are running wild. Yep, yep. So it, it kind of comes down to a little bit of luck. And I've got a, I've got a handful of ideas. You know, I'm going to focus on a few core you know, doe bedding areas that he seems to want to check. And that's where I had my most luck this past season was – you know, when I went away from the food, the first two years I was getting shot opportunities or close to shot opportunities up on some of these food plots I'd planted um, tight to tight to his bedding area. But this past year, he wouldn't even touch that at all. So it wasn't until I shifted back towards these doe bedding areas in November that I started seeing him and I got that shot opportunity. And then three, four days later, I had him at 40 yards but behind some branches. Um, so I think that's gonna be the name of the game this coming year. I'm I'm sure I'll talk and think about this a lot more over the next, you know, six, seven months. But uh, I think it's going to be focusing those couple weeks, tighten the cover, and uh, maybe he'll make one tiny mistake and that'll be enough. But tell you what, it's enough hope. It's a little glimmer of hope to just get me really excited about it. And uh, that's cool. Pretty pumped. Yeah. Late season, we hadn't even talked about this either. Late season, you know, because I still had uh, late season firearms tag, muzzleloader tag in Missouri. And so. Even though pH was dead, I decided to go back up there a few times and, um, you know, in between the holidays or whatnot. And <clears throat> there was another decent deer that showed up, actually a really good deer that showed up. I think he's a four-year-old. I think he's in the 140-ish range. So it gave me hope. Like once pH died it, it in the late season, I had some decent food source, where, whereas nobody around me does. It's all farmland and everybody harvests the crops. So I had hired, you know, I had paid the farmer to leave a couple acres of corn, a couple acres of bean, and it, and it paid off because it sucked in a bunch of deer. And um, it's crazy because I was having encounters with, you know, sitting this, this new blind I put up over uh, – beans standing beans and it's kind of on close to my property line so um 
you're you're a little at the mercy of the neighbors whether or not they're going to hunt that spot because they do hunt that spot uh and sitting on the fence line there and and their wind basically blows right into us once it's you know northwest wind type of a thing and so anyway so we're sitting there and you know have some great encounters with decent deer with gun in hand but stuff that i was you know i wasn't going to shoot i passed them with a bow i wasn't going to shoot them with a gun you know just because it was the end of the year so anyways um Ended up, I didn't have any luck, and I wasn't able to get back to the property. So Trevor, who's my camera guy, and and does a lot, of, helps me a lot on the on the property. And then like Aaron Bennett, some of my other uh, friends that help with the farming and the camera side, um, they want to go up and shoot shoot a few does. Um, so during the end of the gun season, the fire, the late season firearms, and then also with a bow in hand. And sure enough, they went up to sh- try to shoot does and outsteps this you know mid 40s class 10 point uh with another buck yeah that we had passed a few times within gun range got some footage of him and then um i think that was maybe the last day of the firearm season and then sure enough they go back in to try to kill a doe or cut well a few does and um sure enough this deer comes back out and that's kind of the only thing i i that was my only request is hey if a you know if a good sized buck comes out just don't shoot a doe with the buck out you mm-hmm. know i just want to run them off or whatever um and so they went like two or three times and kept seeing this buck Jeez. there on the on you know the beans and and all that stuff and and we ended up killing I think six does on the property for the year, um, so it was a decent it was our best year in 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 terms of like managing the herd, uh, but it gave me hope that next year we have at least a buck that if he survives winter and you know and you know all the odds are always stacked against every hunter but if he survives and all that good stuff he should be. You know, if he puts on any time length at all, he should be in the upper 50s, I would think. So he's kind of where pH was. Um, so it's nice to know. I have a feeling this piece of property, there's only always only going to be like one really showstopper and then like a handful of, you know, 130-ish type of bucks. And and um, not, not that there's anything wrong with that either. But, um, you know, of course, when you get a big deer – like you give all those free passes to all the deer you end up actually yeah. you could actually shoot all get free passes just because you're an idiot and <laughs> think kill the big deer yeah but uh, it gave me hope that next year we'll have something worth worth chasing uh that i'm really excited about on the on the lease so That's cool it's good news. yeah That's it was awesome. good well you were talking about wind issues a second ago yeah. about how your neighbors blow your wind in into your property and how that can cause some things We've got a question of the day today that's kind of related to that and a topic I think we can get into related to that. So what do you think about shifting over to that? Let's do it. Hey, guys. Christian Holiday here from Central Alabama. Could you guys explain thermals and how to effectively use them while hunting? Appreciate the podcast. Uh, it's a very open-ended question. Yeah. <laughs> I liked how succinct he was, though. Last times we've got questions that last like two minutes long. He was just like, boom. Here it is. My guy. Yep. <laughs> get, get out. <laughs> so, do you want to do you want to take a stab at this? I feel like. Well, what, what were you gonna say? Sorry. Well, so like you know, I'm not an expert on this side because this is where like hunting can get a little more it, it, a little more technical. I guess this is the kind of stuff that Mark and Terry are like experts in, right? Yeah. Oh, I'm still, it's like moon phase and stuff like that. I'm still like trying to figure it out, but the like simplest, easiest explanation that hunters could use is thermals, you know, that the thermals rise 
in the morning once the sun comes up and they kind of drop in the evenings when the sun goes down? Like, is that like a very simple explanation of how to look at it? So then, of course, you know, I'll let you dive into how it affects windage. And, you know, the, like if you pulled out a feather and watched a feather, you know, wind only does does so much, but like thermals can do a whole, you know, maybe like your puffer or a smoker or whatever. You, you could see what the wind does way down, you know, 40 yards away or whatever. That, that I think that has more to do with thermals than wind. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you, you did a nice job of framing the basics there. Like you said, when that, that sun starts warming up, the ground and, and the atmosphere you're going to start having like you said in the mornings that air is going to start to rise and then the evenings again it'll fall whenever when everything starts to cool down again and i think this is most pronounced in hill country where you're yeah. going to have those differences in, in differences in topography where this the, the air can shift up and down that uh that elevation and so for me in the flat ground where i'm hunting in michigan and some of the spots some of the other places i go I don't think about thermals a whole ton. I'm not seeing a, a really dramatic difference in what the wind is doing, you know, at those time frames in the in the morning and the evening when you get that change in temperature. But if you do have somewhere where there there is big changes in topography, it can make a really big difference. And sometimes it can doom you if you're not thinking about it and you're just paying attention to what the general wind direction is. Let's say it's a let's say it's a west wind and so you've planned for a stand setup with a west wind but then all of a sudden you've got this warming air at 9:30 in the morning and you're down low on a hill and now all of a sudden that air is rising up past you and now blowing some of your scent back behind you up the hill and if a deer comes back that way you could be in trouble now the opposite can be true though as well so you can get away with things sometimes that you wouldn't otherwise if you plan for thermals so if you know that even with this, let's say you want to hunt a spot, but the wind's bad for it, but you know that you're going to have this thermal effect that will switch things at a certain time, you can use that to your advantage um, and get away with some things. So, like I said, I'm not a huge expert on this either. So there's a lot of guys that I talk to who who use this type of thing when they're thinking through how they're going to think about wind a lot more than I do, just because I'm not in the terrain to use this as much. But it does happen, and and you know, like when I was out elk hunting. Um, it's a huge it's a huge part of what you got to think about because those yeah. thermals dictate a, a massive amount of how air and scent travels through the mountains um so your whole strategy is framed around thermals in that case so it's something to be aware of um in wind in general i think if we can expand the topic of the conversation a little bit um there's a lot of different aspects to wind you need to think about and you made a great point matt in that it matters what the wind is doing right where you are but it also matters what the wind is doing 40 yards away or 70 yeah. yards away or whatever it might be um, because your scent is traveling that distance and if you're not aware of how your scent is traveling you can't account for it and plan for it so something that i'd recommend doing is not only should you be checking what the wind is right where you are but you should also try to do or use something that allows you to see what the wind's doing farther away so one of the best ways to do that is to either use like the little cottony substance from like a milkweed pod um, or you can even buy, I can't remember what the name of the company is that they essentially sell a little package of like little cotton fibers, mm -hmm. um, that you can, you know, lift up into the air or like a feather type thing. Like you said, drop that into the air and then watch that. And you can actually watch this thing go 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 yards and see how the wind moves that thing around. Because lots of times, even with a, let's say you have a consistent West wind scent and whatever's in the air, it doesn't actually always move in just a straight line. 
all these different objects that the air moves through changes how your scent moves. So trees, leaves, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Exactly, and terrain, yeah. and terrain. So topography, so ridges and bowls and um, mm. points and all these different things that all affects how your scent blows through an area. So being able to visualize that by throwing a piece of milkweed or whatever it might be that can help you a lot in helping and understanding where you need to position yourself when and where it's safe to hunt and you know knowing that okay if, if typically deer are moving through here with x wind can i get away with that or not so you want to test that out and and see whether or not that's the case um i don't know where i remember seeing this but someone had talked about the fact that wind works a lot like water like a river so if you watch a river and you watch the water going through and hitting boulders and eddies and swirling around and moving around different things within the water's path that's very often how wind and scent works so if you can visualize things it's going to help you plan ahead um so that's just that's a really high level thing to think about and thermals factor into that as well so testing the thermals so like you said using a little puff bottle or something that can help you see you can actually visualize sometimes when you've got that really strong thermal i think you even mentioned this one in one of our stories this year you were talking about one of your hunts where you could see you did a puff bottle or something you could see the thermals rising actually yeah um and that that's helpful to know. So, yeah, so thermals that you know, if you if you take it a step further and think about setups and when you're hunting what, like use thermals with you know the the pressure as well, like barometric pressure. So you know morning times during the rut, you know when most guys would want to go sit their timber spots and maybe the wind's not exactly right, but it's low wind, you know, a couple three mile an hour or whatever, which is virtually nothing. So think about it like this. If you have um, a nice high pressure day, which means it's probably sunny, right? Clear. Mm -hmm. uh, your thermals are rising really well. And the parametric pressure is also rising at the same time. So, you know, you can get away with a lot more scent wise uh, if you're, hit, you know, sitting on the side of a of a hill or whatever uh, in a tree, you know, your your scent, even though something might be coming from behind you, there's a good chance that they can't get your wind just from the f simple fact that between the thermals and the pressure, it's almost going straight up, you know, on a really low low wind day, um, and then conversely at night, you know, you got to be careful of where you're sitting, you know, say if you're at the at the side of a ridge, um, and all your scent is naturally going to be because of the thermals kind of pulled, no matter what the wind's doing, unless it's a super, super windy day, mm -hmm. um, your, your thermals are getting drawn down that ridge side or down that hill. And you know, if that's where you plan on your, your deer coming out of, which a lot of times they're, they're down and they're, maybe they're coming up for a food source, uh, a big, you know, ag ground or whatever, you're going to be real careful of that because they're hitting you and you don't even know it. Even if you have the wind in your favor, they're getting your thermals, which are kind of, it's kind of like they're getting drugged down to the ground and it's, it's like nose level for them almost. You know what I mean? I know a lot of guys that pay attention to even, um, and they've seen places. I think they've, I've heard people refer to it. I just was talking to a friend of mine who was talking about this the other day, uh, like thermal pools. So like low spots in an area where mature bucks actively choose to pass through simply because it becomes like a collection point for scent from all over the place. So maybe yeah. on their maybe on their way towards the food sources up top, these mature bucks will work their way through this low spot because they know they're able to kind of 
check all this collecting scent from all above down in this spot that they can pass through. So being aware of those types of points and, and planning to, to deal with that is, is going to be helpful. And a lot of that's kind of next level stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, it's for, about my pay grade. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I mean, for, for, for beginner hunters, especially like, yeah, just figuring out, okay, just paying attention to wind in the first place is a great step in the right yeah. direction. So understanding that you don't want your wind blowing to where you think the deer are going to be at or where they're coming from. Um, and then I'd say the next step then to be thinking about for guys or girls who are getting into things would be then making sure to think about where your wind is blowing when you're trying to get into your tree stand, right? That's something that a lot of people don't think about or kind of gloss over, but making sure that you can access where you're going to hunt without spooking deer. Another thing that I think even more people ignore is what your wind is doing when you're trying to get out from the hunt. Yeah. Um, so when you're exiting in the evening or exiting after your morning hunt, it still matters if you get winded or not. If you are walking out and then having your wind blow through where all the deer are at, maybe they're better there or feeding in the, in the nighttime, um, you're hurting yourself for the future too. So think about not only just now while you're hunting, but also on your way in, also on your way out. Also, when you're going in to check trail cameras, um, I mean, wind needs to be forefront in your mind at any and all times you're out on that property, I'd say. One other thing that I always hear Mark and Terry talking about as far as a property goes, and say they're looking at a new piece or whatever the case may be, they always look for, is there any thermal cover? And so for whitetails, that's where the pine trees and the, you know, that, that like, um, um, cedars are, you know, the thick, kind of the thick stuff. Um, so, you know, like I said, it's well beyond my knowledge of how or why those things all work together, but like, it's always, they always talk about how critical it is to have thermal cover for your, for your deer itself, you know, on those real cold, like late season, cold days, having thermal cover is, is really key as well. Mm -hmm. Those, those thick pine stands and stuff that'll hold in some of that heat for deer for sure. And yeah. interestingly, um, that's the kind of spot that I found Holyfield shed. It was oh, a little nice. stand of pine trees that I've always thought, I've always thought that in the wintertime you'd get some deer bedded there to escape some of the snow and hold in a little bit of that heat. Yeah. And I always check it for sheds and never found any. And finally it happened. There you go. So we just gave you guys another tip. Go shed hunting. <laughs> go look at you might want to make sure you're not just like going in at certain times of day, but like midday, you know, go in and try to check out those thermal cover uh, bedding areas and see yeah. what you could come up with. South south facing hillsides too. Yes. That's the other the other really good place to to look for bedding areas where you you could pick up some sheds. Yeah, we should do a full shed hunting episode here soon because I'm getting ramped up and excited about that. So uh, shed antlers are on my mind. Yeah, it'll be – I'm shocked he dropped so early. And, I mean, I guess we're getting here into February. But, you know, uh, there's still a lot that are packing both sides still. You know, yeah. I know on Dad's place he just did a, a camera survey and all of his hit listers that he had, there's – First of all, they all made it. And second of all, they are all still packing both sides. Wow. That's good news, though, that they made it. Yeah. Um, yeah. If, if they can, if, you know, we don't have any EHD or any craziness, you know, poaching or whatever, I think next year both Mark and Dad are going to have really good seasons as far as what they, um, what made it, you know, as, you know, what made it to the end of the season this year so far. Yeah. It's interesting you, you talked about, though, the early drop around this spot where I'm at, I've actually seen a lot of deer 
already dropped their antlers pretty early, even by mid-January. Um, there were a lot of year-and-a-half-old and, and two-year-old bucks that I was seeing, you know, glassing fields and stuff that were already half-racks. And then I actually saw one. Um, I don't know if you remember back in December when I talked about this mystery giant buck yep. that I had seen. Yep. Um, well, I spotted him again in mid-January, already missing one of his sides. Um, so during that time frame, during mid-January here, we had like a week or two of like single-digit temperatures. Yeah. Um, and I was wondering if maybe just that really tough temperatures was an added stressor for a lot of deer here and that caused that early drop. Because, yeah, Holyfield's shed um, was already chewed up pretty badly by, by squirrels. That. I, 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 was, I meant to say that. It's like, well, I, I didn't factor in where your location is. It's been – you've had way more snow. It's colder in general up there. So it, it probably has as much to do with it as anything. And, and of course, the cold temps, you know, once you get a cold spell, it, it definitely puts enough stress on them where they're just trying to survive, right? Yeah. yeah. And it, it, this is definitely still early for here even. But, uh, but it's something it seems I've seen consistently over the past few weeks as I've been looking for bucks and not as many holding as, as I would usually think. So I, uh, I don't know exactly what to point towards, but it's happening. So I got lucky, found one. And here, once the snow melts, we get a little, a little bit later into the month, I'll be hitting it hard and trying to find that other side. That's a good point because it's t it's tough for guys like they're start you know social media you're seeing guys put up shed pictures whether they're throwbacks or you know something that like you where you actually just found one and it's a tough thing because you really have to kind of rein in and say all right I'm not going to go in too early and just bombard the property and then push something out that hadn't shed yet so yeah. You got to be real careful, like you're talking about perimeter stuff. Uh, you don't want to go diving into your property too too deep necessarily just yet. I mean, hell, we'll, we wait till you know early to mid March until we do that kind of stuff. I mean, there's a concern of shed poachers, obviously, um, which that's a real thing, you know, and you got to worry about it. But if you you know you can do more damage than good if you're going in too early too. Yeah. Not to mention the the stress you can put on deer too, which in some areas where there's lots of snow, really frigid temperatures, low nutrition, that kind of stuff. If you're in there blowing these deer out of their bedding areas every day for a week or something in mid-February, that can be bad for your deer herd. So that's something to keep in mind too. If you're in an area where these deer are struggling, uh, be mindful of that. Yep. And like you said, we our next podcast, we'll do a, a, it'll be about the right timing. Yeah. We'll do a shed hunting piece. Yeah. Well, I think then with that said, should we wrap this one up? Let's do it, buddy. All right. Well, uh, my only quick reminders are the usual. If you'd like to get the audio version on your phone, tablet, or computer, you can subscribe over at iTunes or the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, Stitcher, etc. And then you can send in a question of your own for a future episode over at wiredtohunt.com slash 100% wild. As always, you can go to the Drury Outdoors YouTube channel and uh, check out the video version of this podcast and many, many more. Um, if you're there, hit subscribe. We're giving away free PSE bow um, to reach 100,000 subscribers. We've already given one away when we hit 50,000. I'm sure we might do one when we hit 75 and and then another at 100. So um, there's something in it for you. All you got to do is hit subscribe, and then you can get all the updates when we put out new video content each week. And uh, we got some cool things, really neat series that we have in the works that are very informational um, um, how-to stuff for 2018 that we're working on right now. So um, make sure and check it out, and hopefully um, we, we give you the kind of content that will help you kill a big oat here next year. 
Man, I'll tell you what. I loved that video you guys did of Mark Mark's uh, Missouri farm that you detailed, like his whole yeah. season of all the work he did. I don't know what you guys have up your sleeve, but I hope there's more of that kind of stuff. Like, I'd love to see that on Terry's farm, all of Mark's yep. farms, all these different spots. I mean, that stuff was really interesting. Yeah, it was. We talked about it internally. It's like, okay, what what has made Drury Outdoors kind of uh, successful in 30 years of doing this? It's always been information. You know, it's more about the deer and how to get the deer than it is about Mark and Terry and and our team and. Mark's that piece of Mark's farm. We've done two of them now. He had a 97 acre piece mm-hmm. that he bought last year and then a 120 acre piece. And we did them about both of that. And then dad and I just uh, last year um, bought a 248 acre piece and we did our dad did a piece on that, that, that the guys are editing right now that we should launch in another week or two. That's very much like Mark's and kind of gives you, okay, here's, these are relatively speaking, um, smaller parcels that here's the plan. Nothing's ever been done on it. We come in and these are the changes that we want to make for what we try to do and kill big deer and grow the habitat and all that stuff. And, um, there's definitely going to be plans to do more of those in the future. Um, but you know, it was just one of those years where they actually bought a couple new pieces and that just doesn't happen every year, you know, obviously. Yeah. So, what um, I- what I think we need to do is we need to convince uh, Mark and Terry to invest in uh, buying a 100% wild podcast property for you and me to have, and then we can I'm document on, it. on the podcast. I'm on it, man. I'm with you. <laughs> so, uh, you know, one of the cool things, and we'll be able to talk about it more in the future, but we're doing something as it pertains to a farm and the general public that um, – is going to be a game changer. So nice. it's going to, we got some really cool stuff for 2018. I hate to keep teasing it, but <laughs> got to tease it for now. All right. Well, I guess on that note, we will shut this down and uh, just thank you so much, everyone, for being here with us. It's been a lot of fun. Absolutely. Stay safe. Peace.